It's Friday the 26th of February 2021 and you're listening to Reds Unrestricted episode 6. My name's Dan Club, and I'll be your host for today and I'm joined by Dave Comerford, my co-host, and today's guest will be Henry Jackson. So how are we doing, Henry? Are you good? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, we're all good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, absolute pleasure. Um, so yeah, we're gonna stay clear of uh, last weekend's derby for many reasons. Um, more so just because it's been picked apart all week, really, by numerous people. So we're not going to go into that again. Instead, we're going to look at some situations that have arose this week, I suppose, um, and on the back of the derby in a way. And the first one is the form of Roberto Firmino. So we've, I've got some stats uh, in terms of his direct goal contributions over the past few seasons. Um, and it surprised me in a way, but back in 2017-18, he directly contributed to 44 goals, which is 27 goals, 17 assists. 18-19, it was 24 goals, which comprised of 16 goals and 8 assists. And then last season, with 25 goals contributed to, um, 12 goals, 13 assists. And then we come to this season, whereby we're down to... 13 goals, which comprises of six goals and seven assists. So from that has obviously been a drop-off, um, essentially year on year, apart from you know, a little little misdemeanor, if you like. Um, so Henry, do you think we've seen the best of Roberto Firmino? Uh, sadly, yeah, I think we have. Um, and it kills me to say it because I think he's probably been my favourite player under Klopp and there's a hell of a lot to choose from but just the way he's led the line for us and you know he's such a unique player and he's got the most out of the best out of Salah and Mane and just so unsung and, and underappreciated from fans outside of Liverpool so sadly I think he has peaked I think actually he's been on a little bit of a downward spiral now for probably at least a year I think when you look back on that title winning season he'll be probably looked back on as one of the less sort of effective out of everyone. I think he obviously had those big moments. He scored the goal in the Club World Cup and there were some late winners at Palace and, and Wolves. But I think since that sort of January last year, he's he's been on the slide. And it's just that all-round influence is, is lacking now. He looks like... Everyone talks about the goals. You know, people mock him because he's a striker for Liverpool. He actually doesn't score that many goals. But we all know that's not necessarily the most important thing. But it's it's his... It's the off-the-ball work. That intensity doesn't quite seem there. His touch lets him down so often now. It's it's infuriating. And I think he's been the focal point for this team for so long that when he plays well, Liverpool play um, well. And, and the opposite, when he struggles, they just don't click. And that's what we're seeing at the moment. And sadly, I think at the end of the day, he's 30 this year. And some footballers peak when they're 29, 30. It's simple as that. I think I put something on Twitter and said, the same thing happened with Gerard. He had that 08 09 season when I think he was 28 29, and then he just wasn't quite the same after that. He was still very good, but not, not quite the same. So I think it is a case of just a player with a lot of football in his legs who has just sort of slipped past his peak, really, and isn't that influence on the team that he once was. And maybe you're looking at him now as more of a squad player moving forward. I think, yeah, definitely. I think. You're right to mention the big moments he's come up in um, because 
when you do think of him for Liverpool, we tend to think of like, like you say, the influence he has on those around him. But then if you think directly about goals, you know, even this season, you think about the Tottenham game at Anfield, you know, he's won us that yeah. game in the dying second. So it's hard not to think of him in them glorious moments, if you like. Um, yeah, yeah same, same same thing to Dave, really. Um, has he peaked at Liverpool and, you know, have we seen the best of him? I'd say with a, a good degree of confidence that he has peaked. Um, and I agree with Henry in that it started last year for me. The concern and signs, um, because it was a catalogue of really, really poor misses, um, and he just lost all sort of his confidence in the penalty area. And I just think he's he's so inconsistent now. It wasn't, you know, that long ago. It was only a couple of games ago that he came up with this pretty like magical flick to set up that Salah goal against Leicester. Mm. So maybe people would say that in having this discussion, we're being a little bit fickle um, in some ways, but. I remember a lot of, you know, Firmino is back tweets after the Palace game where I think he scored a couple of goals and I remember writing something along those lines as well. But looking back, I, I definitely jumped to conclusions off the back of that game because he is a player who will pop up with a big goal or a clever assist occasionally. But what's happening in between those flashes, you know, you get performances that are frankly really poor and really sloppy and he just looks totally uninspired and and that does sadden me because like like Henry Firmino was my favourite player at one point and I know with this group of players certainly for me it ch- it almost changes it moves around the team who your favourite player is because a lot of them are so likeable but yeah Firmino was a player you know I thought of you know really fondly because of just how unique he was and how important he was but I think for too long we've been we've been guilty of this sort of football elitism is what I call it and how we sort of say if you don't read Firmino you don't understand football um, and I think now that argument is kind of being uh, deconstructed and it's it's unravelling really because we can't point to that all-round contribution as the marker of his value these days because that's that's lacking as well and he, I don't see him anymore as this great facilitator with, with movements and, and sort of through balls so yeah, that's the issue really. The goal scoring hasn't has never been a, a massive strength, maybe aside from seventeen eighteen, which is very impressive. Mm. But the the all round play is, is on the way now as well. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to disagree that his whole, you know, general play is on the way and definitely am. It's not so much of an issue when he's missing big chances, which he has done in recent weeks and certainly last week in the derby, I thought his finishing was quite frankly abysmal. But when Salah and Manny are scoring goals around him. It doesn't really, it doesn't really hurt us so much. But when them two are going through a little bit of a dip, it's hard to say Salah's a dip considering. But when Manny in particular is going through a dip, which we'll come to later, for me, those glaring misses hurt us, and that's when it gets highlighted. Like obviously it has been. So come back to you, Henry. Then on Firmino, um, we've pretty much all unanimously agreed that we've seen the best of him. Um, so what does that hold for the future in terms of how we use him next season? Because this season is almost uh, almost over with in many ways for us. So how would you see us using Firmino moving forwards? Well, yeah, I've, I mean, like I said, I think now it's look. I mean, I could be proved wrong, and it might just be that a, you know a nice summer break, you know, season come back refreshed and better than ever. But I I look at it now, given his age and everything, I think you. 
I would use him as more of a squad player moving forward, assuming Jota returns and is in mm. the sort of form that he was before injury. The only the only issue there is, is, is it going to work the same with front three of Salamane and Jota? Because are they a little bit similar? Do any of them have that ability to drop deep like Firmino does? And, you know, all that sort of subtle, underrated work that he does. You could see a potential issue there with, with any of those three playing down the middle. Would it work as well with Salah down there? Would it work as well with Mane back on the right and Jota on the left? But there's obviously sort of the option of a 4-2-3-1 where you can play all four. But I think generally, I think it's looking like Firmino is no longer a player you can depend on every week. And at the level Liverpool are at and what they want to achieve, you need people who are delivering every week. So, yeah, a squad role. I mean, I've even seen people talk about moving him back into midfield or Mm. sort of a more attacking midfield role because... As David said, and, and you said as well, the, the finishing has now become a real issue. We know he's never been world-class in that that area, but it, big chances are falling to him at big times yeah. now. And, he, you know, even those little ones you sort of forget, there was a, it was a great save, to be fair, but there was a, there was a header in the last minute against West Brom um, mm. when we drew one all. And you just kind of look at it and those really elite strikers put them away and, and we mm. win 2-1. And so I think, um, yeah, it saddens me to say it, but I do think, Assuming Jota continues on the trajectory he was on, I think you have to be looking at him as no longer, you know, when everyone does their best Liverpool eleven at the, in August ahead of the new season, I don't think he features in it unless maybe you're, you're fitting him into a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, the, the shift in formation something I've alluded to previously. Um, and I just think he's got all the attributes to play in that 10 role. Like, so much of his good play for Liverpool has almost been in that role anyway in terms of when he drops back and he takes defenders with him. And, you know, that's where a lot of his good work has come from. So, it's in, a, it's a, in terms of dropping right back into the midfield, I can't see it because our midfield, historically, has had so much legs. And yeah. I don't see him having the legs to do that job, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, so, more of a free... I don't think it works every game, if I'm honest with you. I think playing a four, you know, most weeks... I think we did it against City, didn't we, early in the season? Yeah. Um, and I think that front three you alluded to, I think that was against Atalanta, wasn't it? When Jota, I think they played yeah, the three then. Mm. So, so it's something to look at. I definitely agree that in my humble opinion, they're too, they're too similar, those three. I've, there's no focal point there. Like, obviously, we whip a lot of crosses in. Um, and without Firmino, that front three looks seriously, you know, weak in the air, if you like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same, same question for you then, Dave, uh, in terms of... What we see for Firmino in the immediate term, I suppose, next season. Yeah, I can see him playing second fiddle to, to Jostad as well and his involvement being quite limited. So, you know, maybe we are starting to see the the end of the cycle with, with the iconic front three that we have, as a lot of people have suggested. And yeah, I, I noted down the, the midfield shouts as well. There's some sort of more left field shouts where people say he could maybe play even as a number eight, because of his sort of his work ethic and you know his pressing, which has historically been very impressive. I don't think it's he's up to the quite up to the level, as you say, Dan. And I'm not sure his passing game strong enough either. And the passing is really what makes me, you know, unconvinced by the number ten arguments as well, purely because a lot of the time he'll overhit, underhit, or those players to slow their run when he, he sends a pass to them and it takes some of the momentum out of our attacks and 
that's sort of a recurring pattern that I've noticed. Having said, having said both of those things, if Klopp in the summer wants to try an alternative way to revitalise Firmino, then I'd be all for some degree of experimentation because I think just using Firmino the same way we have this season, you know, I can just I, I don't see anything else other than a further a further dip in his in his output really. But the yeah the the point about Jota's similarity is interesting and I think we'll we'll probably come on now to whether Liverpool do actually need a new a new number nine. Yeah, that that this all does bring us nicely onto um that topic really. So obviously again on the back of a lot of talk regarding Firmino's form, um particularly highlighted in the derby like I touched upon. There's been some calls from some quarters that we do need to sign. I don't know if focal point's the right word, but an out-and-out striker, because Firmino has never been an out-and-out striker. We're, we're all fully aware of that. So, again, I'll come I'll come straight to you, Henry, on this. Um, do Liverpool need to sign, you know, your out-and-out number nine? Or can we adapt with the three, like we already touched upon? And if we do, who do you see us going for? Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think uh, my gut feeling says we do. I think Firmino has shown, I th- he has shown, like I'm, I mentioned with those those big moments in front of goal when you really need that number nine to deliver and he hasn't, especially with maybe Mane and Salah not quite at their top level, especially Mane. Um, let's face it, I think the dream is probably Haaland, isn't it, at the moment in terms of, you know, if money wasn't an issue and if you wanted to join, obviously Mbappe as well, they seem to be the two. Um, so he, I mean, Haaland looks a freak of a footballer, really. Like, And he... I've seen a few people question, is he suited to Liverpool? But he just looks, when when you've got a player that special, if you had any opportunity to bring him in, I think you do it. You know, he's he's enormous, he's quick, he holds the ball up, his finishing is is outrageous and he's only 20. So I think he would he's the, he would be a real game changer if you suddenly put him up there with, with Salah and Mane either side or Jota now and again, that sort of thing. Um, my issue would be... Do I think we're going to sign someone this summer? I'm, I'm, as each week passes, I'm beginning to doubt it more and more because of the, the financial situation we're in, obviously with COVID, the way that's affected our um, financial situation. And and obviously the way it's looking at the moment, there's no guarantee we're going to be in the Champions League, um, which is depressing. But, you know, if that doesn't happen, then you can wave goodbye to realistically to bringing in a world-class number nine. So, I mean, my gut feeling would say we won't actually sign anyone, which will obviously cause some sort of meltdown in the fan base. And I think uh, Klopp will will persevere with the four, the four of them, and rotate them, whatever, the, however that is, whether that's with a new foot with four, two, three, one, and using all four, or playing Jota down the middle, Salah down the middle, whatever it is. I think realistically. That's what I think will happen, but obviously Haaland or Mbappe would be the dream. I make you right in terms of, you know, under this ownership, we've never really been the side to go and sign the elite footballer. Like in terms of even when we signed Van Dyke, he wasn't the player, you know, he's gone on to be. We didn't think anyone yeah. really expected him to be as good as he is. Um, yeah. I'd say probably Allison is one of the few that we've signed who was at the top of the profession, really. Yeah, maybe um, Thiago. Yeah, Thiago, of course, yeah. as well. But the, the the constraints around that transfer were a little bit different, weren't they? In that he wanted to leave, and yeah, you know his yeah. age is a little bit different. I think Allison, in terms of fee as well, you know, seventy odd million, wasn't it, in, compared to twenty odd for Thiago? Um, yeah. 
But you're right in terms of where they're at in terms of the career and how good they are, definitely, yeah. So I, think I make you right in terms of Haaland and Mbappe in that I just don't foresee it happening. Like, I love it for either of them, but it's just not what we've done. And that doesn't worry me because, obviously, Klopp's been brilliant with the players he has brought in nine times out of ten. Um, so it doesn't concern me. But what does concern me is not bringing one in at all. I think persevering with the four, like you alluded to there, would be a serious concern. And I'm going to come straight back to you because I'll get Dave sorted in a moment, but that would tend to lean towards us keeping a Rigi, would it not? Because obviously we need backups. So where would you be with that? <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started with a Rigi. I just... <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I'll always, um, I'll always love him for what he's done in the past with all those, those huge goals in 2018-19. But it, I just, I find him painful to watch now. Mm. Um, just, he just looks like a square peg in a round hole every time he plays, whether it's on the left or down the middle. He just blunts everything we do, whether it, you know his touch, his general sort of intelligence on the ball. He's just. I just look at him and don't think he's a, he's not a Liverpool player. He's not a Klopp-style player. And I think the final straw was, that, was it Brighton or Burnley when he hit the bar, when he went yeah. clean through? And it and it just kind of summed it up. He, I think he's he's got to go for me. But like you say, obviously, if he was to leave in the summer and we didn't bring anyone else in on top of that, then that's an even bigger issue. You're even mm. more threadbare. You've obviously got... He's not a striker, but you've got the Minamino issue. Does he... Do they keep him? You know, sort of... You would you would think that loaning out someone in January maybe means Klopp doesn't fancy him and and that he'll eventually move on in the summer potentially. Mm. So um, I'm totally with you that someone needs to come in. I'm not 100% sure who because I agree with you. I just don't see unless unless Salah was to suddenly leave, you know, for a, for a club record fee to to create those those funds. I just don't see how we're going to cough up 100 million for for one of those two that I mentioned. So. Um, yeah, for me, Origi has to go. But on top of that, if you li- if you're letting him leave and not bringing anyone anyone else in, that is um, that's a massive error. Yeah, I, I that would be too much of an oversight, in my opinion. Like we probably, I've probably sat here and said it before. Even in terms of Lovren last summer, you know, you look at that and think now, especially with hindsight, you look at that mm. and think letting him go without replacement was a bit of an oversight. Mm. But hindsight is a wonderful thing um so dave just to get your um thoughts on everything we spoke about there really um but in particular obviously where liverpool go and um, this summer in terms of number nines so i agree and i disagree with with what henry said um i agree that harland is is unlikely um purely because liverpool is supposed to be self-sustaining operation and this is off the back of a whole season played behind closed doors where we're probably not going to be having a huge intake of prize money. So I can't see that kind of marquee transfer. Although, as you've said, Dan, you know, the likes of Salah, Mane, Firmino, I don't think any of those players were were world-class before they arrived. And then it's here where they established themselves. So we shouldn't necessarily be too um, fixated on players who are already right at the top. Um, What I disagree with is the idea that not getting Champions League will hurt us a lot. And, you know, obviously to some degree it, it will put players off, but I think there is a recognition among people who, who know their stuff when it comes to football that this season and where Liverpool end up this season isn't a true reflection of of how good they are. 
at full strength. There's, there's nowhere near that. So, and I think that the eagerness to work with Klopp and maybe the eagerness to be part of Liverpool's second cycle, if if that's what is to come, I think that's still quite a strong draw and um, one season outside outside the Champions League and the next however many years back in it. I think um, we still have the pulling power there. But um, yeah, I w- I'd like to see us bring in a, a more conventional striker. Origi is probably the closest we have to that. And, you know, he's offered us next to nothing the whole season. So um, if I'm being realistic, I'm saying I'd be looking at spending somewhere between 30 and 40 million on a young player who has plenty of room for growth. Um, I'm not necessarily saying he'd be perfect because I'm not an expert, but you know I'm thinking of a player like uh, Daniel Malin at, at PSV, um, 22 years old, um, scored over 20 goals in all competitions as well. That's that's um, you know the kind of deal I'd be I'd be thinking about. And whilst you know I I am obviously desperate to to have Haaland, um, you know in large part because I just don't want any any of our rivals to have him particularly Man City, you know, I, I do think a deal to bring in a Malin or someone like that who has so much room for, room for growth and could have such a high ceiling in, in this Liverpool team, I think that deal would still be pretty exciting for me and I think hopefully our our fan base wouldn't get um too too upset about the lack of a, a huge name, but, you know, that seems to be the way it goes. It's an interesting... I make you both right in terms of you know, what you say, Dave, about the Liverpool project and what Liverpool have done in the past few seasons, being in enough stead, like holding enough esteem, that many players would still view the move as a positive one. At the same time, you know, you look at sheer facts and finances, you know, missing out on Champions League would be a be a huge blow. And you're asking, if we were to miss out on Champions League, you're asking any player, no matter what sort of ilk they are, to come and play a season without Champions League football. Now, if we're asking Haaland and Mbappe to do that, that's not going to happen. Let's let's be honest. You know that's really unrealistic. Um, some of the other players we're talking about, like I wrote Patson Dacker down at Salzburg, um, another one from the Salzburg ranks that seems to be, you know, attracting attention and flying. Someone like that, you might get to come and not play Champions League football for a year. But you know, big names, it's just not going to happen. Um, so yeah, that. That really sums up the Firmino thing. So we're going to f- just finish off the negative section. Um, and Henry, you tweeted yesterday that Mane has scored twice at Anfield all season, which is absurd, which it is. Um, and it's only right that Firmino is getting the most criticism at the moment. But Mane has been so disappointment, disappointing by his ridiculous standards too. And we need so much more from him between now and May. So just obviously, like, you know, the facts are there for all to see, but just sum up, you know, your thoughts on Mane really this season, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, he he has just been the last sort of two or three months. I just think he's been a shadow of of what he was before. There was a point I do remember a point early in the season. I'm not sure how early, but within the first couple of months, when he really he looked unplayable, um, and he wasn't maybe delivering the goals of Salah, but he was probably playing better than him. He had COVID, didn't he, at, at some mm. point? And you have to maybe look at that and think, has that affected him physically? Because he's just, you know, what we associate with Mane has been probably the real fighter in this team. The, you know, the one that last season probably dragged us through more games than anyone. Mm. 
and the obviously the Villa goal in the last minute, and and he was just you could tell he was just so up for it and how much he wanted that title. That fight has just gone from him. It just he just seems a little bit lifeless at the moment. He's and that link up play with Robertson down the left, who, who's also looking very leggy as well. It's just. It's so frustrating because we know what he's capable of. And mm. I think, as I said in the tweet, so much focus is on Firmino, and rightly so. But Mane is to score twice at Anfield in the, in the first, what is it now, five and a half months of the season. Staggering, really. And he's, you know, he, there, was a, there was a little glimpse that he was returning to form when he, he got the goal yeah. at Palace and West Brom, he opened the scoring. And I sort of thought, is this the turnaround? But it's, there's just too many games at the moment where... He's ineffective. He's getting in on goal, and he would in the past would bury the chances. And he's he's taken that extra split second, and it's just not happening for him. He looks a frustrated figure, and I, I'm different to Firmino, and I don't think there's any. I'm not concerned at all about him peaking or anything like that. Mm. I think he is just going through a tough period when he's got a lot of a lot of football in his legs. He he looks tired. Whether COVID has has had an impact is definitely um, an argument, and. Like I said, between now and May, Liverpool really need him to go up a gear because they can't keep relying on Salah for the goals. He's got to he's got to chip in with taking those big chances and just having a bigger all round influence. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think there was times last week in particular that I thought he looked a bit more energetic. And this is the derby. Yeah. I thought he looked a bit more, you know, keen to get involved. He came central for a little bit and. I'm hoping that that was, you know, a spark in him that we that has been lacking because the amount of times I've seen him front up to his fullback and you think, go on then, take him on. And he doesn't, he turns yeah. back, which is, you know, that's something a footballer does and that's fine. But to never take his fullback on, which is what seems to be doing at the minute, it seems really strange from him. You know, a player who we all remember being outstanding at his best, you know, uh, not just for goal, but for getting into the box and attacking what have you. It's, Definitely something lacking. Um, so, Dave, yeah, again, just just sum up what your thoughts on Mane are from this season, really. Um, I think I think with Mane, when when all of the front three were out of form, I sort of had the impression that he was playing the best purely because he looked most likely to make something happen. Um, and you know, you use the word spark. I think that that kind of summed it up. He looked like he was the one who might have had that that inspiration, but. The stats are, are pretty damning, um, including the one Henry had in his tweet. And I remember in, in 17, 18, when Salah was obviously flying, Mane struggled a little in, in the league. I think he only ended up with, with 10 goals or something. And and that's the kind of, of barren run that we're looking at, really. I, I decided to, to look at the stats yesterday um, after reading the tweet. And since he scored the early goal in the derby, um, obviously, he should have had two in that game, but I'm, I'm not bitter about that at all. Um, he's only scored uh, three Premier League goals since that game in October, which is which is mad as well. So it's it's hard to argue with what Henry said there. And I think really the, the key bit, as you've already touched on, is that we do need more from him because he, he is a match winner. You know, Henry used the phrase, he drags us through games and, and that's, that's what he does. You know, he's... He's such a, a monumental player for this team and particularly for a side that has struggled to produce its specialty, which is winning ugly. You need you need those players to be able to have those inspired moments. So so yeah, I I'm on board with the Mane stuff, even though obviously I agree that Firmino is the one who's 
who's most concerning in terms of his form. Yeah, I think just to finish off this little section, really, in terms of, you know, not negativity, but slight negativity, um, it's hard to disagree with, with, with a lot of it. I think it's, it's really difficult to pinpoint individual players, given how everyone's performing throughout the team. Like, you probably look at only, really only Salah. Like, in the early weeks, I'd have said Robertson, but I think like Henry touched upon, like, he's definitely looked tired of late. Which is through no fault of his own, it's just through sheer amount of football that he has to play. Like one out one album too, I think. The same. Yeah, one album yeah. as well, definitely, yeah. Um I, it's really difficult. And even Salah in some aspects. Like if you look at stats alone, you'd probably say he's performing to his level, if not surpassing it. Mm. But you know, in terms of performances, like we watch Liverpool all the time, you know, there's been the odd week whereby I thought Salah's not been great there, you know, that yeah, yeah. and we're allowed to, we're allowed to say that in my opinion, because too many people just look solely at stats and it's like, oh, he's done this and that, so that's that. But you know, all this Liverpool side points during this season have dipped. And you know, it's it's ended up where we are in terms of positioning the league, which is which is pretty, you know, pretty poor really by our standards. Um, but yeah, we'll move on now anyway to a more lighter note. So yeah, first we'll come to Diogo Jota, which is kind of a salient point in terms of what we were just discussing. Um, he was obviously outstanding early part of the season. Um, but have Liverpool and Liverpool fans in particular pinned too much hope on his return? Um, and how significant could him coming back into the fold be, would you say, Henry? Um, I, think it, I think it will be huge in terms of just giving that attack a new lease of life. Um, sort of before, what, what, I think it was nine goals in his first 17 games. And he probably, I think everyone would agree, even though Salah was still probably scoring the most goals at that point, I think he did look the most in form and dangerous out of all of those four. So losing him was a huge blow. And he'd like to think him coming back is just going to give that, we were talking about a lack of a spark from Mane, but I think he should bring that. Obviously, the only problem is football fans have no patience and he'll he'll need some time to obviously get back to match fitness and be back to his sharpest. And it, it will only take a couple of um couple of bad performances for people to start saying, Oh, have, have we have we overrated him and, and stuff like this? I, I don't think we have at all. I think he is a great player. Um, he looks a really special signing for me. Um I think. Yeah, the, the key is basically showing a little bit of patience early on because mm. I'd be surprised if he came back and and sort of replicated that form that he was in straight away. But he, I think he's going to be a huge player in the next three months just in terms of freshening up that front three, allowing for rotation and just that that direct style he has. And he's, he's got that ability, like the other two wide men, of just getting into the right positions and scoring big goals. I think people tend to forget that there were some iffy performances earlier in the season at home to I think it was Sheffield United and West Ham. And he chips in with two winners in that when he rescued us essentially, because it would have been sloppy sort of drop points again at Anfield. So um, I think it's, I think, I don't think we're overhyping his return. I think he is going to be huge, but patience will definitely be required. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Klopp would let us be unpatient in a way. Like I don't, I don't see him rushing him back if I'm honest. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, although like we're all crying out for him and for some sort of change in fortunes, if you like, um, he's not the sort of manager to suddenly like we seen with Cater last week. He was obviously on the bench for the Merseyside derby, and I think a lot of Liverpool fans would have wanted to see him because we're just so fed up of what we have seen recently, um, which is kind of elitist and kind of spoiled. But that's that's where we are right now. Um, 
Same same for you then, Dave, really. Um, how important could Jota be for this running, if you like? Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet this week basically saying, I wonder if Jota realises fans are banking on him to be our saviour. And that, that's mm. almost what, what it feels like because the decline since that injury, really. I mean, you could even identify that as sort of a, a turning point in a way. It's, it's been pretty stark and the expectations obviously so high because of how well he started um, and, you know, there's no guarantee that he's quite that prolific, but, you know, as, as Henry says, I think he is a very, very talented player, so it is going to be a boost and I think we've all been looking ahead to this, this period at the end of the season where the injuries settle down and Liverpool put together a strong run of form when they look... Um, in terms of personnel, more like the usual selves. It hasn't worked out like that. It's actually just um, broken during the podcast that uh, Henderson is going to be out for, looks like, um, six weeks, really. Um, so, yeah, that's continuing the trend of a new serious injury every couple of weeks. So, I don't think there's going to be this major late-season surge. But, yeah, Jota coming back does give me reason to feel optimistic, you know, I've I've said it before. This is a player who it would have been a twenty-five goal, maybe even more, player if he hadn't got that injury. Um, and you know this is a team that's stuck tame in front of goal. So you know logically it is, it is really important. And I think it'll be a lift for the dressing room as well. And you know beyond that, it gives us more tactical options and ways to to change games that don't rely rely on Origi. So yeah, definitely. I think. The Origi point's a really important one, as ever, because you look at our bench recently, and other than Shakiri, really, you think, who's going to come on and change the game there? Like, as much as I like Shakiri and Oxlade-Chamberlain and the like, there's not really a player of proven recent quality to come on and do it, whereas Jota, we've seen in the early weeks, was he surprised me how good he was, I'll be dead honest. Like, I thought we signed a decent player from Wolves, but... I did not foresee, you know, the Astrid in the Champions League or the Premier League goals. I just didn't see it coming. So, fair play to the scouting again. And like Henry said, it's going to take a while. We're not going to see, I'd love it if we did, but we're not going to see that this weekend or probably even next week. But, you know, hopefully between now and the running, he can he can come up come up again. Um, just to, before we go into the preview before the weekend, um, I touched on Cater being back. Now, he divides opinion probably more than anyone in this current Liverpool team. Um, me personally, just to get my, I, I really like him. I just think he's been held back too often by injuries. And I, as doesn't sound harsh, but as brutal as this is, I don't see him having many more chances as a Liverpool player. I think they've given him a bit more time this time around to get fit and to stay fit. And I think, say, for instance, he comes back this weekend and two weeks' time, we're talking about another three, four week layoff. We can't keep doing that with Cater. There's obviously, you know, there's formation tweaks we could talk about, which we touched on earlier with Cater in the side. But, you know, where he's at in terms of his Liverpool career point of view, I'll, uh, I'll come to you, Henry. Um, what do you see from Cater? One, you know, in terms of him being back, is it a positive? And two, what we're going to get from him? Yeah, he's, he's a funny one, Cater. Like you said, there is, there's absolutely no middle ground with him. I think that's the problem mm. is that... You've got the you've got the one side who kind of seem to worship him and and have ever since the, you know 2017 when we signed him and then we waited a year before he arrived and he was he was hyped up so much that you you know I think everyone thought we were getting maybe the best midfielder in Europe and someone who was going to be the game changer like Van Dyke was to the defence and 
he obviously just hasn't hit those heights. But like you say, injuries have held him back hugely. I think he's just he's just underwhelmed a little bit too often. But I think at the end of the day, he is a very good player. I think if you took away the the hype and the expectation, judged him on his performances when he's been fit and in form, mm. I think he's actually done fine. He's done he's done very well. And our record with him when he starts is, I think, I might be wrong, but I think we've only lost one league game, I think, that he started since the start of last season, I think. Mm. So, um, you know, he brings a lot. He brings a lot of subtleties to the midfield yeah. on and off the ball. I think just his use of the ball, he uses the ball quickly. He finds passes that other people don't see and, and he's tenacious off the ball. So I see his return as, as a definite positive and I like him. Um, I think I totally agree with you. He is now reaching that stage where if he, you know, if he comes back now, especially with the injuries we've got, if he comes back now and is out again within a couple of weeks, I think just that patience is going to wear so thin yeah. that you start that you reach a point where it's po- it's pointless keeping hold of a player who's always out. We saw it with with Sturridge and Lalana. Matip now has mm. reached that point for me where it's just pointless yeah. because you just cannot rely on them. And he's a very talented player, Cater, and it, and, it, and his return is really important, especially with with the Henderson news that Dave just mentioned. Mm. Um, so um, I'm excited about him being back. It's just the problem is there's always that tinge of doubt because you're waiting for, for him to come back, maybe have a couple of promising games and then hear that he's out for three weeks again with a muscle mm. injury that they don't specify what it is, but you know he's broken down in trading or he's ill or something and, and that rules him out again. So, um, yeah, I think I think um, he's neither as I don't think he's as incredible as some people make out. But anybody being overly harsh in terms of performances, I think, has it in for him because overall he's done he's done perfectly well. Yeah, and it's really difficult to judge him because, like we've alluded to, you know, how often has he been in the side for two weeks and then out? He's never had a run of games. I think if he had a prolonged run of games, we'd see the best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just same from you then, Dave, um, on your cater analogy because. You know, Marmite, love or hate? I think it's a mature answer from, from Henry, really, to sort of take take that middle ground between the, the two camps when it comes to Cater. And, yeah, he's a player I really like as an all-round uh, midfielder. And I agree that it is a really significant moment because, it, you know, it feels different this time. It feels like he could have come back sooner. But if he had, he would have broke down again. So the club decided they were going to manage his return a lot more and really build up his his strength and, and resilience. So if, you know, it actually seems bad to say it, but if he can stay fit between now and the end of the season, then that'd be huge. But if if he breaks down again, then I certainly wouldn't blame people for, for giving up. Yeah, you're right. We shouldn't have to almost laugh the fact that a player might stay fit between now and the end of the season, but unfortunately, that's where we're at with Cater and Liverpool as a whole this season, um, to be honest. So, yeah, we take it on to Sheffield United, um, obviously on Sunday night. Um, I'm going to give you my thoughts. and um, I'm generally a positive person, as we've probably come to know on this pod. Um, despite what's been going on, I remain relatively positive. Um so I'm going to give you my 11 to begin with. Um, I've gone for Kelleher in goal. Um, anyone of a Liverpool persuasion will understand why. I've gone for Trent, Kabach, Phillips and Robertson. Um, I don't think Fabinho is going to be back and available. Um, and I thought Kabach and Phillips have looked okay when they've been paired together in a relatively short time. 
um, and a midfield of Thiago, Genie, and Naby Keita, as we spoke about, and then Salah, Firmino, and Mane. Um, because I don't see Jota being rushed back. Um, and I also, again, people will attest to last week's pod. I love Curtis Jones. I just don't see Thiago and Genie being split up. Um, and I think I just want to see Keita back. He's had another five, six days training. So that would be my 11 for Sunday. And so we've got to beat Sheffield United, haven't we? Um, so I'd go for <laughs> Liverpool 2-0 because um, we've just got to, let's be honest. Um, so, yeah, same from you, Henry, please. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, obviously, with Keller. I totally agree he'll be in goal. Um, Trent and Robertson. Uh, the, only, the only change I'd make at the back is, personally, I would go Davis instead mm. of Phillips. Uh, mm. I, just, I just think if you're signing someone, you know, when, when else is he going to possibly play if it's not against bottom of the league? Because there isn't going to, I don't see it on paper. There's not going to be an easier game. There might be, you know, if teams have given up come end of April and have nothing to play for, but on mm-hmm. paper, it's the, it's the perfect time to throw him in. He's, he's left footed. So he can bring a bit of balance to that, that left sided center back role. And I, I have to say, I take my hat off to Phillips that he's, he really hasn't let us down at all when he's played, but he is also very, very limited uh, yeah. as a player. He's, he's not Liverpool standard, to be brutally honest. And, and Davis might not be, but he's been signed as a player that Klopp seemingly likes and thinks fits into our system. So I would just say, go for it. Play him and Kabak. Um, if it backfires, it backfires. But, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't, fingers crossed, be called into defending too much. And by all accounts, he's good on the ball, so he can help start the attack. So I'd go with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with you. I'd start Cater. I think I don't think Cater will start. Um, I think it will be Jones, but I would I would go with him, and then Thiago, one Aldum, and the, and the front three. So yeah, the only change really for me would I'd, I'd go Davis over Phillips, uh, and I don't think it's going to be a barrel of laughs as a game as much <laughs> as I, as much as I want us to win four 0 And I think people will maybe expect that because of Sheffield United struggles. I can just see it being a really ugly game. And I think mm. I'll go 2-1. I can sort of see us maybe going, Brewster will probably score because that will sum up <laughs> our season. Um, yeah. And we'll probably go 1-0 down and, and there'll be an absolute meltdown and then we'll, we'll manage to sort of scrap our way to an ugly win, I think. Yeah, the Davis point's a really good one. And I toyed with the idea of Davis because you're right, you know, if you've signed him, you know, you've got to play him and what better time. I just, I saw signs in Phillips last week. I thought he did okay, even though he probably got turned a little bit easy for the second yeah. goal. It's nothing, um, nothing against him. Like, no. He has done, he's done much better than I thought. And he, yeah. and he deserves, he's one of the few that doesn't deserve any criticism, to be honest, in mm, recent weeks. Definitely. But I, just, I just think mm. Davis is probably, Davis is probably better, I would imagine, but from what's been said and how highly yeah. rated he was at Preston. Yeah, and I, I also agree in that Sheffield United, I know they obviously are bottom of the league. I don't remember them getting hammered too often. And I no. think Chris Wilder wouldn't let that happen. So I, I still envisage them being quite quite tricky. Um, and I know Wilder and Klopp had the beef earlier on the season, so he's not going to want to roll over. Um, but yeah, so Dave, uh, same from you, really. You're 11 and any, any thoughts on the game? Um, I've got the exact same 11 as, as you, Dan. Um I feel Henry was slightly harsh on Phillips. I, you know, he doesn't seem as limited to me as Henry made out. And I think, you know, he certainly looked probably more solid than than Kabak to me. And in the derby, even though I wasn't part of the Cara school of of Kabak hatred during that game, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I would have gone with that defensive partnership even if Henderson or Fabinho were fit because. You know, this is a game where you can, I think, you can afford to have 
to have that duo of you know natural centre backs and have your midfielders in midfield. You know, Sheffield United were dealing with a team who's had the fewest shots in the league and a team who plays quite direct. So, you know, Phillips is I think will be able to to cope with that and. I'm, I'm led to believe Carvac's usually a lot more imposing than he was against Everton. So hopefully it, it suits him in that respect. And yeah, I'd have, I'd have Cater in probably for a 60 minute and uh, and Jota as a half hour bench option, really, as much as I'd love him to play. You know, you've got to be sensible when you're managing players coming back. Um, my score prediction, I've said uh, 1 0 win. And that's largely because. If I'm not going to back us to beat Sheffield United, there'd almost be no point in watching <laughs> in watching <laughs> football. Um, you know, they, they lost to Fulham last week. They're 14 points off mm. safety. I mean, no one are look, this will be the game that launches the, the all-time greatest, greatest game. But uh, in, all, in all seriousness, you know, there aren't any excuses this week. You know, I've got a lot of sympathy for Liverpool and, and this team um, for how it's gone this season. But... Um, yes, it'll be um, tough to break down. Yes, it's a disgusting kickoff time on Sunday night. Um, but you know, with the team, you know, the teams that we've laid out, which are, are realistic options, um, you know, they've got to be getting the job done, and they're more, more than capable of doing that. And if if we if we don't win this game, I don't see how how we're getting top four, even if it's still mathematically reasonable to to think that. Mm. Yeah, that's another really good point right at the end there. Um, in terms of the top four hopes, like we're all being a bit jovial about Liverpool should beat Sheffield United because, of course, we should. But you know, realistically, where we are in the league, we have to beat Sheffield United. You know, there's no, there's no getting around it. Um, in normal circumstances, we almost just brush it off, but it's actually a massive game for us on Sunday night. Uh, and just to cover the Phillips thing, I agree with both points in terms of I think he's done really well. Um, but I do think he has his limitations, like Henry touched upon. I think pace in particular is probably his biggest one. I remember yeah. the Newcastle game uh, at St. James's and he really looked short on pace up against Callum Wilson. So it doesn't concern me for Sunday where we to play because I think aerially he's probably our best centre-half in many ways um, because he doesn't care, he just wins headers. Um, but he does have his, he does have his drawbacks uh, in terms of long-term. Um, but yeah, that's uh, all we've got time for this week. So before we go, I just want to um, give Henry a chance to plug uh, any work he's got coming up. He's always busy, I know that. So uh, yeah, any um, any work you've got coming up, Henry? Uh, I mean, just keep an eye out on this is Anfield website, really, and there'll, there'll always be a, a constant stream of work for me on there in terms of opinion pieces and, and match day stuff. So that and uh, Anfield Index, uh, Read Liverpool website as well. So yeah, those, those three really is where you're going to find my work. I've written a piece on Cater uh, today, actually discussing how, whether or not he can be the man to help save our season. So um, that'll be, I think that's gone out on Anfield Index this morning. So um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Henry Jackson 87 yeah, we'll put all the stuff in the um, in the Spotify as normal and the description. Um, but yeah, no, brilliant. Like, really appreciate you coming on. Um, really appreciate your time. Yeah, so that's all we got time for this week. Um, really appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week, um, hopefully in a good mood. Um, and yeah, that's Red Done Restricted for this week. My thanks to Dave, my co-host, and Henry Jackson, our guest this week.
This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.